you real tough cookies with your long histories of breaking little hearts. Something, something, something. I know that was extremely cheesy, but you know, this movie is extremely cheesy. Welcome to episode 6 of Movie Musical Memories. Uh, today's movie is Rock of Ages, the 2012 uh, jukebox musical um, that's pretty much a big collaboration of many different rock songs from the 80s that did really well on Broadway because, you know, nostalgia and all the all the heavy metal, well, not heavy metal, but like all the people with their long hair and their and their skinny jeans and their and their just you know those hipsters and their musics and their their uh, their journeys and their Pat Benatars and whatnot. Um, yeah, so Rock of Ages. Let's get started. So prior knowledge of Rock of Ages. Um, I knew it existed, <laughs> and that was pretty much it. I mean, I knew the basic concept of it, and that was pretty much it. The f My first reaction to this was, this could be fun. Um, I I think the first time I heard about this is one of those movies that uh, I uh, kind of... It was one of those ones that I've talked about, like, with something like Jersey Boys, where... For years and years and years, it was kind of on that bubble of will they, won't they make it. And um, I think it was Alec Baldwin, actually, who really championed to get this made. And he um, he is in the movie. Um, not the greatest singer in the world, but you know what? He's not the worst person in this movie. So uh, it's always great to see Alec Baldwin, honestly. Um <laughs> So, then they announced a bunch of other people, uh, I mean, it's a really great cast, and I really just had zero care of the other people that were cast. The only one that was really big was Tom Cruise was cast as the, the like, legendary rock star, like, the, the number one hit maker of the time. His name is Stacy Jacks or something, and he's got this really long hair, he... Wears the, uh, wears fur coats, but then when he's on the stage, he's shirtless with leather chaps, and he's very, in the same vein of, like, an Axl Rose-type character, and Tom Cruise actually did pretty good when it come, came to his singing and his performances, when it gets into, like, the just the dramatic scenes, or the, I mean, whatever you call it, the, just the scenes that did not have singing, the, that's where it kind of fell apart, but we'll get into that later. Everyone, take a drink. Um, if you don't remember from last episode, I've kind of pretty much <laughs> put together a drinking game of whatever I say. Um, we'll get to that later, because I have found myself... Being able to say that too many times, because guess what? We're we're gonna get to it all later at some point. Anyways, by the way, I just want to thank you for continuing <laughs> six up six or seven episodes in. If you count the intro, um, you know it's kind of hard to get people to listen to a podcast about Rock of Ages, a movie that many people just totally forgot existed. Um, and the box office proves it. Um, anyways, so, uh, the first, yeah, so, Tom Cruise is pretty much the only one that really was a big standout when it came to casting. Um, so, a little about it, oh, and I should mention that this movie was directed by Adam Shankman, who... We'll get to that in a future episode, but he directed the movie version of Hairspray in 2007, and I thought he did a phenomenal job with that. Um, with this movie, something went wrong. The same, the guy that directed Hairspray was not here, honestly. Um, 
Because it's really ironic, because Hairspray is the big cheesy musical, and I can't really speak for Rock of Ages, because I have not seen it on the stage, but I imagine it's pretty cheesy as well. I mean, we'll get into it when we get to the Hairspray episode, but one of the things I loved about the Hairspray movie is that Adam Shankman toned down the cheesiness of it and made it worth watching as a movie. And not as a guilty pleasure, as like, I mean, I wouldn't call the original Hairspray a guilty pleasure, but you know, it, it's, it's kind of a cult, I mean, John Waters was a cult following, pretty much, his genre of movies was his own little cult, but, um, I mean, it's not like, it's not, a, like, cinema at its finest, Hairspray, but, um, and, and the musical is not, like, it's not perfect, but, um, when it comes to, ser like, I mean, it's just cheesy fun, and I like how he made it into, I mean, it was still cheesy fun as the musical movie, but, um, I don't know, he found a way to make it grounded. With this movie, he did not find a way to make it grounded, and it just, it, this, I mean, I'm kind of spoiling my review so far, but this movie is kind of a mess. And, um, yeah, so I was very, I was very disappointed, because I really like Adam Shankman, and I think he really, I mean, the musical numbers are really well directed and stuff, and he directed a few episodes of Glee, ironically, the ones probably my least favorite, but, you know, he, he knows how to direct a musical number, and he's a core, um, I was, I always have trouble saying this word, a choreographer, because I'll say, like, choreographer, because I'm an awful at grammar and everything like that. Um, he's a choreographer first, um, probably most notable for the Step Up movies. I think he directed one or two of them as well. Um, and so, he then started directing as well, and he kind of is the choreographer and director when it comes to some of these projects. I don't know if he did this movie. Let me check. But, um, yeah, so Adam Shankman was something that I was really interested in for my first reactions to this. Um, let me check, 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 check. And, you know, I really like some of the music, so I was kind of, uh, I was excited to see that, um, I was, I mean, I was genuine, genu genuinely excited to see this movie, because the songs, I mean, things like, uh, Don't Stop Believing, and Any Way You Want It, Can't Fight This Feeling, Here I Go Again, uh, I Wanna Know What Love Is, What Are Dead or Alive, uh, Hit Me With Your Best Shot. I love rock and roll, like, all of these songs are great, and I was, I was fairly interested in it. Um, I do not see any information if he choreographed it. Anyways, that's not important. Um, so, a little about this movie, if you don't know, I mean, as I said, it is a, just a, it's a jukebox musical, but in in a different, it's different than, like, Jersey Boys. It's not about, like, one, one band or anything. It's more like Mamma Mia, where, well, it's not even like Mamma Mia, because Mamma Mia, um, uh, Mamma Mia is just one artist songs with something like, uh, Rock of Ages. It's multiple bands songs. So, it's kind of in its own class. I'm trying to think of another musical that's like that, where there's multiple people's music in it. Nothing's rolling off my head right now, but I'm sure there is. Um, but anyway, so Julian Huff, she plays, uh, Sherry Christian, aka Sister Christian. Let's, let's start off there. I mean, this, this, this is how the movie's tone is set. <laughs> they sing Sister Christian or whatever the song is that that's part of. Yeah, it's Sister Christian. And um, because her last name is Christian. 
So, so good. So clever. Good job. Um, so it's kind of one of those, uh, with $10 in her pocket, she moves from the, it says here, Oklahoma, and she's moving to L.A. because she wants to be a singer. I want to be a star, Mama. I just want to be a star on the, on the stage. I went into my own moment at that time. Please excuse me as I try to recuperate. Um, she meets a guy named um, Drew Boley, played by Diego bon Boneta. I think I just saw that he was in Pretty Little Liars. Uh, he also was a voice, I believe, in the Book of Life. Uh, I might be confusing him with somebody else. Hold on. Um, he is... He works at... Oh, no, no, no. That's what it is. He was in Scream Queens. Why did I get the Book of Life and Scream Queens confused? Who knows? Anyways. So, yeah. He was on Scream Queens. He was one of the better things about that show. Um, so, he plays a guy named Drew. And he is... Um, he's kind of a uh, down-on-his-luck kind of songwriter trying to make it... In the world as well. He performs at this, um, at this club that's kind of like the main setting of the movie where everybody's performing. And, um, it's owned by Alec Baldwin's character, Dennis Dupree. Oh my god, my eye is on fire right now. Please excuse me as I try to fix that out. Ugh. Oh lord, I don't know what is going on. Oh. Okay, let's let's hang it. Let's keep it together, Kyle. Don't know what is going on. Probably because I did not take off the makeup from the rehearsal I just came from. Maybe that has something to do with it. I doubt it. By the way, I am in a production of Hairspray right now. If you're in the La Plata, Maryland area, come see it for weekends in April, starting April 1st. And back to reality. Um, so, yeah. So, Alec Baldwin is the owner of this club. His right-hand man is played by Russell Brand. Remember him? He was hot for a quick second. second. And now nobody cares about him. Nobody cares! That is the third reference I made of that? I think it's going to happen every show. Thank you, Quentin Sagers, for getting that stuck in my head. Um, so, where was I? So, Dennis and, oh, yeah, Russell, Russell Brand's name is Lonnie. Um, so they're trying to get Stacy Jacks to come perform at their club. Once again, that's Tom Cruise. Um, and he's trying to, Tom Cruise is trying to prepare his final gig with his band, and, um, it's just kind of one of those, like, he wants his big swan song performance, and, um, so then, uh, they, they get this whole thing set up, and then the mayor of this, this town of L.A., I don't know why I kind of went into a weird town of L.A., nobody ever says that, anyways, um, Brian Cranston, is playing the mayor. Uh, he's pretty f decent in the movie. Um, and his wife is pretty conservative. She's really religious. And she's not having this punk rocker in her town. Even though L.A. is booming with with drugs. Sex and drugs and rock and roll and all that. Um and the wife is played by the great Catherine Zeta-Jones, who deserves more work than she's getting. Somebody cast this woman in a movie. I mean, she wins the Oscar for Chicago, and then everybody's like, no, no thank you. We don't care about you anymore. She won a Tony Award a few years ago, too. Come on, people. Let's get Catherine Zeta-Jones to her EGOT. Write her a TV show, or a TV movie, or whatever. 
She might have. I don't. I don't think she got a Grammy with Little Nights Music or Chicago. Anyways, um, so Catherine Zeta Jones is Brian Cranston's wife, and she's trying to shut this thing down. Um, also. I think I mentioned this, but this is a very... It's a large cast. It's a large ensemble, so there's many different stories going on at once. Um, so there's a Rolling Stone... Um, it's a, ro- a Rolling Stone uh, subplot that gets involved with Stace, uh, Tom Cruise's character, Stacy. And um, Stacy's manager is played by Paul Giamatti, uh, who usually is counted on being the... Uh, always good in every movie actor. Well, spoiler alert, he proved us wrong with this performance. Uh, so the the reporter from Rolling Stone is Malin Ackerman, who at the time I did not know, uh, but then went on to do a really delightful sitcom on ABC called Trophy Wife that deserved more than one season. Um, she's now on that show Billions. Oh, and she reunites with Paul Giamatti on that show. Is anybody watching that show? I feel bad because now I'm listening to the writer, uh, Brian Kaufman or whatever, his podcast, because he's pretty interesting, but... Is anybody watching Billions? Who's watching Billions? Not the shameless crowd. I don't understand. Not the same type of people. I don't know. Seriously, who's watching Billions? Anyways, at least Paul Giamatti doesn't sing on that show. Yes, I went there. I went there, Paul. Fight me. Fight me. Um, so, Bella Knockerman, she's she wants to do an interview with Stacy. And uh, that goes into a different direction. And probably the most irritating moments of this movie are between Tom Cruise and Malin Ackerman, because just that whole dynamic just did not work. The other thing about Malin Ackerman is, by the way, she's on my favorite show, The Comeback, um, which is on HBO Go for all you kids who have HBO Now or whatever that standalone service is. Watch that show. It is phenomenal. Malin Ackerman is all of joy and I don't know where she checked out for this movie um so who else is in this movie that I did mention oh yeah so Mary J. Blige the wonderful Mary J. Blige she is uh she is the like the she's she works she's like the I guess she owns the strip club or whatever um I don't know. Oh, she's in it. Um, and she has something to do with the plot. Um, it's, it's purely plot device for her to be in this movie to set up the most ridiculous but greatest, like, setup for a song in a musical of all time. Um, which we will get to later. Everyone drink. Um... So that's pretty much the basis. Um, Julianne Huff and uh, Di- Diego Bontello or whatever. They kind of they also have a rise to fame um, at this club, and even we see like a brief glimpse of what the '90s were going to bring to us with boy band fandom and Eminem. Well, I don't know if Eminem was really the '90s, but you know, like those those saggy pants and the and the chains and the jeans and the whatnot and the white shirts and all the, what the hipsters and the youngsters are wearing these days. You crazy kids and your rock music. Anyways, um, so, so that's pretty much what that movie is about. Uh, how did I see it? I went opening day with my friends Allison that I mentioned about the Jersey Boys and the Les Mis review and Into the Woods as well. Um, and my friend Andrew, I believe, also was there, if I can remember correctly. 
And uh, I think we were all on the same page that this was just a giant mess of a movie. Um, some of my other friends uh, f like this movie. And I think it's just because they like the music. And they just don't care about plot or anything in a movie. But uh, I don't know. There were times when this movie gave me a gigantic headache. Because just, just, it was just so, I don't know. That whole Marlon Ackerman and Tom Cruise stuff gave me a headache. I can remember that clearly. Um, so, my review, I've kind of pretty much said a lot already. But it is, it's a mess. It's a mess of a movie that just, the, the, I can see how this was a hit on Broadway. Uh, but it just does not work as a movie. It's like... It's like... It's kind of weird to compare this movie to Fifty Shades of Grey, of all things. But, like, it's kind of my feeling with that. It's like, if you're going to make a movie out of something that is full of cheesy and bad writing and stuff. Once again, I cannot judge the musical of Rock of Ages. I have not seen it. Um, but it just, you have to find a way to keep the cheesy fun in, but also make it a interesting movie. I mean, when theater, you can get away with cheesiness a lot. I mean... But when you're going to a movie, I mean, you have to make it a movie, if that makes any sense. You have to, I don't know. I'm not making any sense. When do I ever make any sense? This has only gone for 22 minutes. I feel like I've been talking for, like, hours about this damn movie that I don't care about. <laughs> um, literally, before I started recording this, like, earlier today... I totally forgot Paul Giamatti was in this movie. Because I had to edit one of my awards that I'm going to give to. Um, Julianne Huff, you could be thankful that I remember that. Because let's, let's, let's talk about Julianne Huff. Because, you know, we, we got Grease Live this year. Um, and when they announced that she was going to play Sandy... I was so thrown back because I'm like, did any of you watch Rock of Ages? Just, she's not a good singer. She's a fantastic dancer. There's no denying that. And, you know, she's actually a pretty decent actress. If you watch the remake of Footloose, the remake of Footloose is actually, I really like that remake. And I honestly liked it more than the original. You can send me hate mail all you want. Baby boomers, but the millennials are going with the 2011 movie. That's not true. I don't. I think I'm the only person that saw that movie. Me and my friend Amory, and the older people that were sitting behind us that were really into it. Um. Anyways, um. Now, there's the interesting thing about Footloose. Footloose, the the remake of Footloose originally was supposed to be the musical that was made out of the original movie. And it was going to be Zac Efron, it was going to be Kenny Ortega was going to direct it, who did High School Musical and uh, Newsies. He did Newsies, right? Yeah, I think so. Hocus Pocus and that Descendants, not The Descendants, with with. Alexander Payne's masterpiece. Uh, it's this Disney thing about the villains and their children and whatever. I, I I meant to watch it, but I was busy. There was a lot of things on that night. I mean, yeah, Kristen Chenoweth was in it and Kathy and Jimmy, but I I was busy. Don't judge me. You would be judging me if I had seen it. It's bad enough that I sat through that Teen Beach movie. Ugh. Maybe we'll get to that one day. Talk about cheesy. Ugh. That movie. Anyways, um... So, yeah, Julian Huff just... 
she just she just can't sing that well. She did a decent job on Grace Live, but still, I mean, I could have cast a thousand other people better than her for Sandy and this part. Um, Diego Bantella, but I already forgot his name. I keep forgetting his name. I'm very sorry. Diego Bonita. He's fine in the movie. He's fine. But, um, I mean, he's just kind of, he's just fine. Uh, Russell Brand, you know, for the grain of salt people take for Russell Brand, he's okay in this. You know, he's not in it that much. Catherine Jones is a lot of fun in this movie. Ryan Cranston, as I said, he's fine. Alan Ackerman, I already talked about my differences with that. Alec Baldwin, eh. He was having fun. That's all I'll say about that. And like I said about Tom Cruise, you know, he really was amazing when it came to the singing, but that, the other stuff, not so much. And then there's Paul Giamatti, who just cannot sing. And he's just, I don't know, he's just ridiculous in this movie. But this movie altogether is ridiculous, so I mean he fits. I also want to mention uh, Will Forte kind of has a small part in this movie. I believe he was like the TV uh, reporter or whatever, so it was nice seeing him in it. Um, some of the other cameos that were in this movie, like Debbie Gibson and uh, Aria Speedwagon. Oh. No, it was just Kevin Cronin from Aria Speedwagon. Uh, Constantine Marulos, who was the original Drew on Broadway. Um, and some other famous rock stars um, made cameos in this. And, um, you know, it's just, it's a mess. It's a mess. The one highlight about this movie is that... A majority of the musical numbers are either pretty strong or they're fun. They're just fun. They're, I mean, it's not it's not Adele, but they're just fun. Um, probably. Well, I'll get into that later. Take a drink. Um, but some of my the highlights for me were Jukebox Hero and I Love Rock and Roll. The mashup for that. Um, Amy with your best shot. I thought Catherine Zeta-Jones did a decent job with that. Um, waiting for a girl slash boy like you. Decent. Um, Wanted Dead or Alive, which Tom Cruise sings and is really good. I really like that. Um, Here I Go Again, which we heard as our bumper music today. I really like that, except for the Paul Giamatti line <laughs> of like, that's not even a good Paul Giamatti. He's just, I don't know why anybody said Paul Giamatti should be in a musical. I don't know who asked for that. Um, there's a really, really funny performance of Can't Fight This Feeling that I won't spoil who sings it and in what context they're singing it about. But it's really funny. <laughs> it made me laugh. It's fun. If you're going to watch the movie, there's a there's something to look forward to. The surprise of who sings. Can't fight this feeling. Don't look up the album. Don't spoil it. It's fun. Um, and then... Um, so, yeah. So... Going into the uh, the world reviews of this movie, they're in the same boat as I was. Um, very mixed. 41% on Rotten Tomatoes. And that is out of... How many critics? It was out of 215 reviews. 41%. The consensus was it's exuberant silliness is almost enough to make up for its utter inconsequent... Oh, big word, big word, big word. 
ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to spell this word. You can all shout it and talk about how much of a moron I am because I am a college graduate. I cannot pronounce this word. I-N-C-O-N-S-E-Q-U-E-N-T-I-A-L-I-T-Y. This is why I need a co-host. Because I'm a moron. Anyways, back to the review. But Rock of Ages is ultimately too bland and overlong to justify its trip for be to the big screen, which is pretty much all I agree with. Um, on Metacritic, it's a 47 out of 100, based on 42 critics. Um, but most of the reviews were like I... Like, they were like I... I'd, it's been a long day. Words, good I'm not at. Um, most of the reviews singled out Tom Cruise about how really fun he was. Uh, they, a lot of people actually also liked his acting performance, not just his musical performance. But, uh, eh, whatever. Um, yeah, it's, it's just a mess. It's a mess of a movie. And thank God for Les Mis to keep the f the Golden Globes away from uh, giving this movie any Golden Globe nominations. I, I was actually kind of surprised that Tom Cruise did not get nominated, which, I mean, I'm jumping segments now. Um, but if you know the Golden Globes, they like their big stars. And uh, eh, they went with Ewan McGregor for salmon fishing in the Yemen. Or Bill Murray and Hyde Park and Hudson. It's like, who saw those movies? Well, Rock of Ages wasn't really seen either. The box office for the opening week. The film grossed $14 million, ranking at third place that weekend. Um, Madagascar 3 and Prometheus were in front of it. Um, it did better than That's My Boy. The worst Adam Sandler movie of recent years. I think of all of his movies, actually. Yeah, that's that's his worst. But that's another podcast. Um, it, Rock of Ages is considered a box office bomb, grossing only thirty-eight million dollars in North America, and um, seventy-five million was its budget. Wow, seventy-five million was its budget. What the hell? I wish I was given $75 million to make a musical. Anyways, um, but for some, but somehow it's still the seventh highest opening ever for a musical. Oh, musicals, how you baffle me every day of my life. Um, so going into some of the awards, my Liza Award, if you are weirdly not familiar with the format, go back and watch the form or watch. This is not a visual podcast. Um, listen to the format episode before you listen to any of these episodes. Um, anyways, the Liza award is named after the great Liza Minnelli for the MVP standout, surprising performance, someone like that. And this one goes to Mary J. Blige because <laughs> she is so, just her character makes no sense in this movie, but she is so great. Like, she's just such a great singer, and she makes anything, any way you want it, such a really, like, a great song to listen to. Because, I mean, Journey's fine. I mean, Journey's fun. Their whole thing is that they're fun. They're not, they're not the greatest band ever made. Uh, but, you know, just... Mary J. Blige singing any way you want it, and in the context she does it, is just worth all of the awards. Um, the Pierce Brosnan Award, I kind of touched on, it goes to Paul Giamatti. What were you doing in this movie? Julianne Huff, you can thank me for remembering that Paul Giamatti was in this movie this morning. Um, the Razzie, oh, I keep saying the Razzie Dazzy Award, which is fine because this movie deserved more Razzie recognition. Um, eh, 
not not against some of the movies that were nominated that year. I mean, that's my boy, for instance. Um, any way you want it, as I mentioned, that gets the Razzle Dazzle Award for best musical number in the movie and the one that I just had most fun with. Um, if I could change one thing, uh, one thing. Um, I think the screenplay ultimately need needed to go through several more rewrites. Um, awards it was nominated or won. Got nominated for some Kids' Choice Awards. Tom Cruise Kids' Choice Award nominee for Rock of Ages. Oh, excuse me. Teen Choice Awards. My apologies to all of the members of the Kids' Choice Awards. Uh, choice Chemistry for Julian Huff and Diego ben- Benita. Are you kidding me? Wait, Tom Cruise wasn't even nominated for any of these awards. These are for Julian Huff, of all people. Really? Whatever. Whatever. It did get a deserving nomination for a Grammy Award for Best Soundtrack for a Movie, because I do like the soundtrack. I believe it lost out to... Let me, let me check. My internet... Uh... For all those that don't know me, I live in the woods. Into the woods. It's not as fun as into the woods. I live in the woods in the middle of just the forest, and internet companies don't like us because they're stupid. And uh, they give us a broadband thingy-majigger to use up data. We get a certain amount of data a month. So in the in the world of internet heavy run life if that made any sense it's like come on people let's let's all join 2016 and give everyone clear clean wi-fi where we can stream movies in the comfort of our own home and don't have to be awkward and be watching orange is new, the new black in the middle of uh, Chick-fil-A, and then boom, a lesbian sex scene comes on. Come on, people. Let's get with the times. Uh, Rock of Ages lost you. Wait, hold on. They lost to Woody Allen. Wow. What? That That's great. Rock of Ages lost a Grammy Award to Woody Allen. Uh, Woody Allen won for the soundtrack for Midnight in Paris, which, wait, I have no idea how that album won a Grammy Award in 2013. The movie came out in May of 2011. Did they release the soundtrack, like, a year after? What's up with that? (sighs) Okay. Anyway, so... Yeah, no, nothing significant. Awards it should have been nominated for? Uh, Razzie for Paul Giamatti, honestly. Um, you know, I th- in the long run, Tom Cruise might have deserved a Golden Globe nomination at least, but... Uh, but, you know, I'm not crying over that. Mary J. Blige was robbed, if you tell me. She was robbed for every single award. So, we're 40 minutes into this podcast, and I'm pretty much done with Rock of Ages, because, you know, once again, I just don't care about Rock of Ages. It has left my memory. Memory! Rock of Ages is no longer a movie musical memory, because it just... It's better just to forget it ever happened and that it was just a weird fever dream where Tom Cruise is wearing assless chaps and Catherine Zeta-Jones is a highly Christian wife of a mayor and that she's also getting work, which how fictional is that these days?
Um, so yeah, that's pretty much it about Rock of Ages. If you care about Rock of Ages, let me know. Hey, special news. I could spend the last 20 minutes of this podcast on this. So I finally made the Twitter account and the email account because you have to make the email account to make the Twitter account because the world is so difficult these days with all the accounts and all of that and you can't just have everything under one email. Uh, I have like a thousand emails, by the way, because um, just all the different accounts I've had to make for Twitter and Tumblr and this, that, and that. Um, so the Twitter account is at Movie Musical M-E-M, short for memories, just mem. I would have said mems if they gave me one more letter, but they didn't. So, uh, that's, the email is just Movie Musical, uh, memories at yahoo.com. If you want to email me, if you, if if you don't have t- – if you're not on the Twitter, uh, I should be making a Facebook page soon. But let's let's do one, 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 one social media platform at a time. It's been a long day. Just be thankful I got to the Twitter account. Um, I already have a few followers. At Sassmaster Maria has already followed me because I called that girl out several times. Because she will not return my copy of the last five years. And then she's like, it's on Netflix. Why don't you just rewatch it there? And then I went into my whole spiel about how, you know, some people just can't watch Netflix in their house. Because cause the government hates them. Thanks, Obama. Remember, I remember at the beginning of his his presidency, he said that we were going to get universal internet, high-speed internet. Whatever happened to that? Obama. No. No, let's, let's, let's visit Cuba. But we're not going to, I'm not going to get into that. You know, good for him for going to Cuba. I don't want to go to Cuba. So off topic. Just give me some damn internet. <laughs> Under President Bernie Sanders, you're going to give me free college, even though I don't need it anymore. Give me the free internet. Who am I kidding? Bernie Sanders. Is he going to be president? I believe it's wishful thinking. By the time I post this podcast, what if he's not even running for president anymore? Who knows? He could he could already be president by now. If uh if I wait that long to post this. Um No. If we if we got President Cruz, you know that I will not be getting high speed internet within the next four years. Or the next eight years. God help us. Oh, God help us. God help us, everyone. Um, what, what was I talking about? Social media. So yeah, you can you can follow the Twitters. You can follow follow my email. You can email me, Facebook me when that happens. Emma Thompson has just thrown her shoes. Because Emma Thompson's just amazing, and I'm watching the Golden Globe Awards from 2014 honoring the 2013 movies. Spike Jones just won his Golden Globe for her. And Emma Thompson is drunk. Drunk. I just want to give a shout out to Emma Thompson for a quick moment because she did a. She did a. Um, it was on PBS. They played it, um, but she did a performance of Sweeney Todd. Uh, it was a very uh, limited run thing. It was a special event. She did an awesome job at Mrs. Lovett. I don't know where you can find it. I mean, of course, you can buy the the special PBS DVD for a hundred dollars or whatever they charge for those musical movies. Um, She's going to be Mrs. Potts in the Beauty and the Beast 
live-action movie. Like, can we all just take a moment and say, thank you, Bill Condon. Thank you, Bill Condon. We forgive you for those last two Twilight movies, even though the last Twilight movie was actually pretty fine. I liked it. But that but that second to last one was the worst of the series. Literally had zero needing need ugh, don't know grammar. Just pointless to be split into two. You know, they, they attack the Hunger Games for being split into two. At least they made worth well they made well worth of their time when they split up those books. That movie was just Oh, I'm pregnant. This baby hurts. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. And Kristen Stewart just cannot act. And Robert Pattinson just doesn't understand childbirth. And Taylor Lautner's just a wet dog walking around. No shirt and everything. And khaki shorts. <sighs> Can we all be thankful that we are we are far away from the Twilight era? Now we get stuck with the Divergent era. When will those movies end? They're not as bad as the Twilight movies. Actually, that's debatable. Rock of Ages. <laughs> I just wanted to remind you that we're, this, this podcast is about Rock of Ages. Um... What was they talking about? Oh, I got so distracted because I started talking about Emma Thompson. Anyways, what if Emma Thompson was in Rock of Ages? She would have been great in Julie Hannah's role. I, I said she would have been great as a Miss Hannigan a few weeks ago with Annie. I mean, Emma Thompson just should be in every movie. I mean... Her and Captain Zeta-Jones can work together to make more movies, because last year, just, oh, every movie wasted Emma Thompson. I mean, the Walk in the Woods and Burnt. Did anybody see that movie? Bradley Cooper is a chef, and he he's super serious about his craft and the art of sh- chefery and whatever that, the f- whatever that's called. What's the word for going to cooking school? Oh, I don't remember. <sighs> Burnt. Don't watch that movie. Don't watch Rock of Ages. Watch Sisters. Sisters is now on DVD with with Tina Fey and Amy Poehler and a ton of other people. So we're we're going to fifty minutes soon, so that's time to wrap wrap this up. Um so yeah, Rock of Ages. Meh Meh That's all I gotta say. How do I end a podcast about Rock of Ages? I'll just set up uh Mary J. Blige, I guess. And honey, you can have it. And the bumper music for this podcast was 
Here I Go Again, uh, originally by White Snake, performed by uh, just the whole ensemble. I'm just going to say that. That's easier. Um, and the last song was Any Way You Want It, originally by Journey, performed by uh, Mary J. Blige, Julianne Huff, and the Strippers. Thank you. 